Welcome to the Post Sunday Post Sunday Post Sunday Podcast, providing you with pastor commentary on the previous message and resources for further study, all for the expansion of the gospel and the edification of God's church. Well, welcome again to the Post-Sunday Podcast. I'm sitting here with Pastor Sean, Pastor Joey, and Bethany Lay. Mm. I'm so glad you're smiling now. (laughs) It's a new format. As Joey said last week, yeah, it's a new format. It's a segmented format. And so in the first segment, we go through one of the questions that one of you guys asked. And then the second segment, we go uh, over a book resource or any type of resource that Joey thinks you can read in an afternoon. (laughs) Well, not necessarily. Typically. Not last week. No, yeah, that was a break it's from a 300 the 300-pager. Which you could read in an afternoon. No. <laughs> so this week's question uh, is, there's two of them. I'm going to read the first one real quick. And it says, Pastor Shun talked about how the earth... We have a guest podcaster. Yeah. Should we introduce our guest podcaster? Well, he already did, but he you weren't did, listening. He already did, but you weren't listening. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at you smile for the first time. You've been so angry since we he's walked covered, in to do the podcast. He's covered everything we, he needed, we've needed to cover, but you've okay. been checked now out. Now you just want to rehash. <laughs> yeah. So Welcome to my wife's world. This is my wife's world. <laughs> She's, she always says, you're not listening. That's probably true. And now all of us can attest to that. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so continuing on, Pastor Sean talked about how the earth, demons, and angels tremble at God's holiness, but humanity does not. Man was made in God's image. When Eve ate of the tree, the serpent used the idea that you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Do you feel that this temptation proves to be an Achilles heel? And there's a little bit more to the question, too. From the very beginning, humanity has had a propensity to want to be like God. Now, since we have made him so personal, loving, and accepting, and have stressed being made in his image, do you think we unconsciously see him as almost our equal? Equal. What do you guys think? Yes. No, that is the... I mean, that's the... That's... That's the first sin. I mean, it's it, ultimately it's. I think it boils down to pride. Um, all sin probably stems from pride and lack of authority, and um, and there's no question that was Satan's first temptation was to, in God's created order, for us to question our placement in that created order and not worship him as God and the very first and I think really all sin and all disobedience comes from the, that mindset that I don't like the way God designed things I don't like the order of things I the lack of submission to his authority so yeah yeah I was gonna say I, I think all the other sins that we commit uh, just f- flow from a bad theology of who God is, a bad doctrine of God. And so because we have this bad doctrine, and, and the bad doctrine of God started in the garden when um, uh, the serpent put doubt in Eve's mind regarding uh, God's trustworthy, God, regarding God's character. And so all, all these other sins stem from a distortion of God's character. And so I, I, I think it's a, I think the question is good, and I think your emphasis on Sunday is good because uh, I think it shows the importance of doctrine. You have yeah. improper doctrine and improper perspective on who God is, all sorts of bad theology and and 
immorality flow from that bad doctrine. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think, Bethany? I well, I agree with that whole thing. Is that you know what is our doctrine of God? What do we believe about Him as our Father? And um, so, for me, when I'm looking at it, if if I think I'm equal to someone, I have a harder time humbling myself to that person because there's this chance that maybe I have a better idea or maybe I have a better way to go. And so the whole idea that Satan said, you know, you can be like God in this, well, that's very appealing. And I think now I just watch so many people making God so small that he's so attainable because he's so loving and he's so good and he's so gracious and he's just... He's, you know, the man upstairs and all these different things that people say. He's just become so attainable that we've lost the trembling that the angels and the demons feel um, when he's not as attainable as we have made him to be. So there's a plus side to making him attainable because he's relational and we want to be able to be in daddy's presence but like Pastor Sean said, it's the two stre- the two tensions of mm-hmm. we can't go too far that way or we lose the holiness. Right. Yeah. I was um, I put a graph in the uh, small group leader guide this week, but it, it was a little chart um, kind of tracing the Old Testament to the New Testament. And what I had was uh, what we see in the Old Testament. So if we just think, if we captured one moment in the Old Testament, let's capture... Mount Sinai, right? You got fire, you got, this is where the law was given. You have, you have this fear, this trembling, this reverence there, right? Um, we move, in, in, and so the Old Testament's made up of the law, the prophets, and the writings. And uh, we uh, see that they're pointing us toward this Messiah. But at this point, Jesus is not incarnated, right? The flesh part. Jesus is eternal. He existed, but the incarnation is yet to happen mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. We move to the New Testament, and what we have now is we see a lot more clearly in the New Testament than we did in the Old Testament because we see that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything the law, the, prophet, the prophets, and the writings prophesied about in the Old Testament. So now we're seeing clearly... And, and so this fan kind of exists. And what should happen is our fear, reverence, and awe should increase, mm-hmm. not decrease. Mm-hmm. But we practically do the opposite. We say um, uh, we, uh, even the daddy part of it, the Abba Father, is distorted because we've distorted the fear, reverence, and, and mm-hmm. awe part of it. Mm-hmm. So we can't even really enjoy the draw near to father part because we don't have the fear, reverence, and awe part right. Mm-hmm. And so the New Testament shouldn't decrease that for us. It should, in, it should increase the fear, the reverence, and the awe because now we see God and his glory mm-hmm. even more clearly than we saw in the Old Testament. Right. And mm-hmm. so if, if the... The guys in the Old Testament just had a small picture, and now we, even post-New Testament, have the full picture. Um, how much more should we just trim, tremble? Right. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and so, but we've we've used the gospel as a um, to to practically um, do the opposite of right. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, another element is when you're talking about um, when you make him almost your equal, 
the thing about equals is there's a little bit of a reciprocity of need. Mm -hmm. Like you being my equal means there's a part of both of us who need each other. Mm -hmm. We give each other things, but the relationship with the Lord (laughs) is no need from Mm -hmm. us to him. He does not need anything from us. And so we start to think, oh, he must need me in some degree. Mm -hmm. And we get that man-centered theology practically Mm -hmm. through songs we sing. I mean, how many songs do you hear that are all about man what God does for man, and it makes it seem like we think he needs us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's why I tried to spend a little bit of time this week on the what is God's purpose, what is he about? He's about displaying his glory, and there's many ways he can do that that aren't man-centered. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, man is a part of the displaying of his glory, but it's not the only thing. Um, right. mm-hmm. both are, and, of course, that makes the incarnation incredibly important to us, you know, how much God does love man, but not just the salvation of man that brings glory to God. Yeah. Amen. Um, so, anyway. Sweet. Good. Uh, so, the next question, kind of in line with the first, is uh, it, go, it states, a thought that I had, as Sean talked about, our father, is that so many have such a negative view of their earthly father. And do you think that sometimes we create the God we want to have by constructing him to be the father we always dreamed of? In other words, we focus on his love and acceptance, his good gifts, his kindness, his daddiness, etc., because we want him to make up for our fathers, our earthly fathers, who fell short, leaving out, now we leave out his justice. We leave out God's holiness and righteous anger. So do you guys think that that plays a part in the way we view God, our, earth, our relationship with our earthly fathers? For sure. Yeah, for sure. And so actually we talk, we actually delved in this question in our small group, and it was great. We had some phenomenal responses and insights. And so uh, the brokenness of our earthly fathers creates probably two separate challenges. Uh, one is is both an, in a, an imperfect idea of wh- what the, clo- the relational piece, the daddiness, I guess, mm-hmm. because there's no perfect fa- earthly father. But a loving father also does discipline. There is a justice piece mm-hmm. to that. And so all fathers are going to err in all those areas. And so um, one of the men in our group talked about the weight of being an earthly father, mm-hmm. I mean, a Christian man in our group, the weight of being an earthly father. And then um, the idea for him was it. my brokenness does allow me to point them to the perfect Heavenly Father mm-hmm. and point my own children, not only do I need the gospel, but point them to their need to finding their fulfillment in Christ because he can't be perfect for them. He can't be all things for them either. Mm-hmm. So, But there's no question. I mean, you, Joey, you were in our small group, so you yeah. were, it was some good discussion, I yeah, thought. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I, I think it revealed that we do infer kind of our daddy issues onto God. And I was I was trying to even think, like, the, the God of the scriptures is the God that we need, not the God that we want. Um, as we get to know the God of the scriptures, the Holy Spirit, this is God's gift to us, uh, the Holy Spirit conforms us to want the God of the scriptures. Right. But initially, we don't want the God of the scriptures, uh, but we need the God of the scriptures. So it, So we need to start with let let me let me table all of this baggage for a moment and let God's word inform me of who God is 
let me get a clear picture of who God is, and I'm going to trust that the Word of God does exactly what God says it does, which is that it transforms me. And so all of a sudden, uh, I become zealous for the God of the Bible mm-hmm. as he reveals himself to me through his written word. Um, that, that, that's what we need more of. But yeah. I think what for the most part, and you could see any Hollywood movie based on that tries to depict God or books that try to depict God, uh, they're always centered around some daddy issue. Like mm-hmm. it's always very distorted. It's always this very distorted man-made um, image. I mean, the the Israelites were judged by God for, uh, and I think we may have talked about this on a podcast before. But when Moses is gone for a while on, on Mount mm-hmm. Sinai, they create this golden calf. Right. <clears throat> they're not. They're not saying we're here's an here's a new god here's a different god they're saying what we what we want is we need this visual picture of Yahweh so they know that Yahweh is the true god he just delivered them out mm-hmm. of slavery um they're now trying to craft god into their image mm-hmm. and um uh and and so and, and that's a that's a, tr- a huge transgression. They've they've now tried to make God in their own image, mm-hmm. and uh, and so God judges them. Why does God judge them? Because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we're prone to creating our own golden calf of mm-hmm. Yahweh, mm-hmm. and we need to we need to be mindful of that mm-hmm. and repent of it quickly mm-hmm. and the only way we can be mindful of it is by knowing the word knowing what the word says about Yahweh I have had two fathers personally in my life my father and then of course my husband who is my daughter's father mm-hmm. and so when I look at both of them um, I can get hung up on how much they fall short of being like my heavenly father because they're men they're gonna fall short no matter how good they are Um, Before I was married, though, I had a real hard time talking about God as my father because um, I had a lot of father issues, you know, a lot Mm -hmm. of places where my dad fell so short that I was not even the least bit interested in knowing God as my father. But what I've learned is that as I've gotten to know more of who God is and when I've really understood how he is my provider and my healer and my father is part of that, all of those things... um, I have seen a transformation in my heart to where I see my father and I see my husband as a father differently. Mm. I see them with more compassion and more mercy and more acceptance, more patience, because I'm no longer expecting them to fill a void in my life because now God fills that void in my life. And Mm. so I think that's another thing is that if we get so hung up on the earthly people who are fathers and transfer that to God, we're not going to get anywhere. But if we can focus on who God is, he will transform our earthly relationships to make them sweeter, even if they're still not perfect because they won't be. It, it, we will see them as Jesus sees them. Mm. We will see them differently. So what reshaped you, Bethany? I mean, what was that process like? The process for me was um, really studying God's word and really finding out, you know, who is God and and. How does he love me? How does he show his love for me? How does he discipline me? Because that's part of it. And so when things happen in my life that are disciplined, it's to make me to be more like Christ. And mm-hmm. and um, just his acceptance. This past Sunday, even after I listened to your sermon, I went through, again, in the New Testament, I found 
all of the terms of Father referring to God. And just as a reminder of things that God does, he is compassionate. He's always working for us. It gives him great happiness to give us his kingdom. But at the same time, he requires us to do his will. He requires our obedience. And so it's just searching the scriptures and being open to who God is in completeness rather than just picking and choosing the verses that are going to make me feel good because I didn't get that from my daddy or, you know, something right. like that. So there's, there's an expectation, what you're saying is there's an expectation that if this is something that you're working through, you're going to do it through scripture and you're going to do it daily. Uh, the verse that Joey was referencing is Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2, which says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And it keeps going on that you would test and you may discern what's the will of God. Uh, but it's the, what you were saying. You don't just pick and choose. You basically submit yourself under scripture, and by doing so, you submit yourself under who God truly is, not who you want him to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the issue that a lot of people run into is like, okay, well, how do I do it? And you tell them, well, you got to read your Bible, but then what, what are you doing with it? And oftentimes, because we're broken, fallen humanity, we go for what's comfortable mm -hmm. and what will make us feel good, mm -hmm. all the while just returning the cycle of what we want out of mm -hmm. scripture and what we want out of God. Mm -hmm. And I would even reiterate, there are plenty of good books that you can read that can help you. And, and I read a lot of books that would be considered Christian self-help kinds of things. And that's well and good, and it can give you a different perspective. But it wasn't until I really got serious about studying God's Word for myself um, that I saw the changes to come. Because just listening to what man says about God or even what women say about God in their books is not the transformation mm. kind of knowledge that the scripture gives. That's a good point. Well, if, uh, if you guys don't have anything else to say, that's a great segue to our next segment. This is where we get non-transforming literature. I got a book recommendation for you. Yeah. It's not perfect, but it helps. <laughs> What are you doing? No, it just was read good. the Bible. I mean, That's what you're going to say. Yeah, no. And I hope, you know, I don't ever want to assume, but I hope that you're not reading even good gospel-centered literature is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. So right. it's subordinate. It's man-written. Man so it's subordinate to the Word of God. So right. do not neglect the study of God's Word for any type of resource we recommend. Mm -hmm. Just like a podcast doesn't replace being a part of a local church. There you go. Corporate worship. Mm. Um, so I wanted to recommend. Uh, this is about a hundred-page book, but it's a little bit. <laughs> it's a little. It's a little more hefty in regards to you. You got to kind of take your time wading through it. But I thought it'd be appropriate since uh, the sermon this past week was on our Father. Um, mm -hmm. Is recommend a, a Doctrine of God book, and this book was published this year. I think it, in my humble opinion, is probably one of the most important books published this year in Christian literature. And it's called All That Is In God. And I'm recommending it, and I haven't finished it. I'm only on chapter three, so I'm plotting through it right now. So That's I'm rec your recommendation. So I'm recommending it without finishing, but wow. it's so good. <laughs> I'm on chapter three, and it's so good. Mm -hmm. I, I you wish haven't gotten to chapter six yet. I, <laughs> I wish I could convince every believer to read this book. And so it, it's all about um, 
uh, what the author calls classical theism, which is what what is the historical way we've viewed God, mm-hmm. and he he traces how we've lost that perspective, mm-hmm. and then he goes through what we've lost because we've lost this perspective on God, uh, takes the the skewed perspectives to their logical conclusion to show us that our faulty thinking about God is blasphemous and leads us to believe in a God that doesn't exist, and he charts a course for here's what the scriptures say about the God who is, and, and kind of challenges us to, um, to, to recapture a healthy, right, biblical picture of God. And he does sound about 120 pages. Like I said, there may be some words that you need to Google when you're reading it just to be brought up to the conversation, but he does a really good, good job with footnotes. Uh, with When he uses certain words, he footnotes and kind of defines it at the bottom to help kind of bring clarity. And so, um, so the book is called All That Is In God, and it's by a guy named James DeLozal, uh, D-E-L, D-O-L-E-Z-A-L, and um, excellent book. Mm. Nice. I just want to say, every time you talk about reading, like, a book in an afternoon, I always picture you just, like, in a hammock. <laughs> I wish I had On, a like, hammock. a hillside, just reading. No. Tons of <laughs> tiny little books. No. It's usually... Sitting on my couch with my son running around throwing <laughs> Cheerios everywhere. So it's not serene. No. Do you guys have anything to add before we end? I really like your shirt today. It's an excellent nice. shirt. It looks warm. <laughs> I'm actually sweating over here. So. <laughs> you guys are all next yeah. to the AC. I didn't want to say anything, but it. You, I feel like tell. you two kind of match, actually. I mean, you're not far off. Yeah. I mean, you're similar color, similar <laughs> shoes. It's a corduroy shirt. It's pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, you're, I feel like you're molding yourself in the image of Pastor Joey. <laughs> since he's your boss. Technically, mm. all of you are my bosses. <laughs> Just letting everyone else About out that. there know that I'm sitting in a room with all my bosses. <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm yeah, sweating. Joey's your boss. He's your direct report. It's so. true. All right. Well, with that, okay. uh, thank you guys for being a part. Thank you, Bethany, for being here. Thanks for having uh, me. Adding a great perspective. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Out. <laughs>